This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So, Justin. Yo, what's up, man? What's up? Uh, lots of stuff is up, man. We're, we're in the, 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 the thick of it. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking about our, our whole thing with LinkedIn. Like we have, we do LinkedIn stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah, we've done some of that stuff. Yeah. It's been, it's been a while since the two of us have collaborated that way, but we, we've, we got our start that way. And, and so we, we did, we did. And now uh, teaching uh, classes and giving people some really bad advice, which hopefully they didn't take until we learned better. But, uh, but that said, you know, uh, we like to consider ourselves LinkedIn expert and I do use the term expert very loosely. <laughs> uh, so once in a while, it's probably good to bring in another expert so they can tell us how full of shit we are. <laughs> because someday, it's always good to be brought back down to earth and, you know, get some humility back in this thing. So why don't, do, do you know any, uh, do you know any LinkedIn experts besides us? Not a one, not a one. Well, I'm going to go get us one. How's that? How's that for service? <laughs> well, let's do it. Bring me All one. right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Andro Sturgeon. And I'm Justin Womack. And we are the Marketing Geeks. Marketing Geeks. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the marketing geeks. Here we are. So that was that was entertaining. Uh, Justin, tell us about our guest, man. Yeah, yeah. Today we got an exciting, exciting guest, very special guest. We have John Nemo coming on the show right now. And John Nemo is the author of LinkedIn Riches. Uh, it's a that's a best selling book available on Amazon now. He's also a LinkedIn trainer. He's been featured by LinkedIn's official marketing blog um, and social media examiner. He's been on the Entrepreneur on Fire show. Uh, featured in Inc. Magazine, The Huffington Post, Business Insider, you name it, he's been in it. Uh, John has personally rewritten the LinkedIn profiles of uh, Chris Brogan, John Lee Dumas, Marie Smith, Dan Miller, Ray Edwards, Tom Ziegler, the son of uh, the son of the very famous Zig Ziegler, uh, Jerry, 
I don't know, Jarek Robbins, uh, son of Tony Robbins. I, I'm not familiar with his son, but okay, that's pretty awesome right there. And many other A-list business names and entrepreneurs. So he's actually rewritten their profiles based on his uh, specific set of skills. So please welcome to the show, John Nemo. John, how are you today? Hey. <laughs> This is our, I just feel like I need a beer for this podcast. This is the best. <laughs> I love you guys. Thanks Let for me, having me. Can I yeah. tell you something? You're going to need something stronger than a beer. <laughs> <laughs> we're just getting started. We are <laughs> just, little, as we're recording this in the middle of a pandemic, and oh, yeah, maybe we all do. But anyway, yeah. great to be here. Yeah, man. Uh, thank you for uh, thank you for being on the show. And uh, for those uh, guests who don't know you, because we are right now we're streaming. This is the first. This is a first for us. We're actually streaming the Marketing Geeks live as nice. we record uh, the show. We want to make it a little more interactive. So if you are listening to the show right now, uh, then go to the go to LinkedIn, go to the Marketing Geeks page, and uh, follow us because then you'll get a. A little notification every time we do this but uh uh but for but you are a linkedin expert and I, i'd love to know for those uh who don't know who you are can you tell us a little bit about yourself yeah so i'll, I'll give you kind of the quick backstory and kind of how i stumbled into all this because i didn't like grow up as a kid especially in the 80s pre-internet thinking i want to be a linkedin person <laughs> it didn't exist i mean yeah. i I'm so old that my college degree was in print journalism. Remember newspapers, the printed, they would land on your doorstep. Watch 80s movies, you'll see them. So I grew up as the son of two English teachers, love reading, love learning, teaching, led to a career in journalism. So I worked for the Associated Press and newspapers, transitioned into public relations, and then, you know, uh, worked for some trade associations, things like that. And in 2012, I'll never forget, I had this aha moment, and I was sitting in a meeting about men in tights and fake trees. And <laughs> I just thought, I worked for a labor union at the time, and we were going to use, uh, we were going to do this protest, and I was in charge of PR and social media in 2012. It was going to be street theater, the Robin Hood tax, tax the rich, give to the poor. So I was tasked with finding men in tights and fake foliage to put on a street, and I thought, <laughs> There's got to be more to my life and career than this. Like, I, God if you think that, life, then I'm, I'm, if, if you don't believe that, I'm taking you to Burning Man, and I will change your view. <laughs> <laughs> and I, that's probably where I could have found my extras. Oh, so, absolutely. So anyway, I just remember I'd always had this entrepreneurial itch that I wanted to scratch, and that was the moment where I was like, "Screw it, I got to do my own. I'm out of here. Like, I got to take my shot." And so. Uh, I didn't have a great plan. I'm not a planner. I'm a risk taker and a go-getter. And so I quit this safe six-figure day job. I had one client. I had enough money for 30 days. And I opened up Nemo Media Group. And it was a wobbly folding card table and a MacBook on a, a soft pretzel box for <laughs> elevation. And I needed business fast. Like I didn't have a budget. I didn't have investors. I had three kids at home. My wife was home taking care of our three boys. So it was on me to build a book of business rapidly. Now, how, how old were you about at this point? Gosh, uh, I'd say my mid thirties. Okay. So yeah. So let's see. Yeah. 37. So, so yeah, I was no spring chicken, <laughs> but, and I had a mortgage and, but here's the thing. Like I had been using LinkedIn for jobs and things like that since it kind of first came out. And I saw something with this platform when I was leaving my day job to start my own marketing agency, I was like, you know, you could really just use this like B2B 
searches, you know, for leads, like it's like Google for B2B leads. And now, you know, if you look at LinkedIn today, there's what, 700 million members, two new members join every second around the world. And what I discovered in 2012 was I can use this platform to find leads and sell them stuff. And so within the first 90 days on my own with the wobbly folding card table, I was able to do six figures in sales by myself from a bedroom for my new marketing agency. So I had to start hiring people and building it out. And what happened was um, I had so much success getting business for myself with LinkedIn. And we'll explain how and what the secret sauce is and everything in a little bit. But I had so much success doing that, then clients started hiring me to do it for them. Like, hey, go get us business like you did how you landed us. And so that led to a book called LinkedIn Riches. Uh, online training courses. And now kind of my core focus is we have a done for you agency where we go out and do this full time for clients. And it's, it's been a wild ride. um, But I love it. I mean, it's like I tell people, I've been social distancing since 2012, working from home, you know, had that entrepreneurial journey. And uh, I love it. I'm super happy. What, what did you start with though? You said you sold, you were used LinkedIn to do a hundred thousand in sales in 30 days. So what were you selling? What was the initial right. service that you kicked off your business with? So I was selling marketing services. So like a website design, um, video marketing, um, copywriting, press releases, whatever I could sell. And one of the key tricks or tips that I tell people all the time is with LinkedIn, the riches are really in the niches. So when I launched my business, I had one client and it was just a debt collector. And I had worked for a trade association doing PR for debt collectors. So I knew the industry. I knew the jargon. I got over all the, I knew the legal mumbo jumbo. And that guy was like, he was the guy that convinced me to jump and gave me enough money for 30 days. And so what I did on LinkedIn was I only targeted debt collectors and I reached out to them and we can talk about kind of the pillars of how this works, but that's how I was able to quickly scale the business was only targeting one little audience. And let let me tell you like the number one, you want to know the number one mistake I see? Do we want to get all this yet or not? No, let's go for it. Let's get right into it. Here's the number one mistake that 99% of people make on LinkedIn is uh, it all starts with your profile page. And the way that LinkedIn taught us, you know, coming in was to use it like a job seeker, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's like an online resume. It's written in the third person, like you're a pro athlete, right? <laughs> and one of the things that I built my whole business on was one quote from Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. And I actually have book. I recommend that highly. Yeah, I have it on my desk and it says, people <laughs> do not care about you. People do not care about me. They care about themselves morning, noon, and after supper. He wrote that in 1936, and I built my whole business off that. People could care less about me. They care about themselves, their problems. And so what I did was I flipped my LinkedIn profile upside down. Instead of having it be a resume, John Nemo, CEO, Nemo Media Group, blah, blah, blah. No one cares. I made it what I call client-facing, and I made it hyper-niche focused. So my LinkedIn headline went from Nemo Media Group CEO to... Uh, debt collection marketing services. And if you think about how this works and how you can instantly get a client facing LinkedIn profile, start with your professional headline right under your name and photo, have it be the audience you serve plus the service you provide. So for me, the niche audience was debt collectors. The service was marketing services, debt collection, marketing services. So now when I reached out to people on LinkedIn to connect and invite I would use it to only target debt collectors to connect with. All they would see was my name and my headline. Well, who doesn't want to connect with a guy that can help me get something I want? 
John Nemo Debt Collection Marketing Services. If I was a debt collector, I knew within two seconds what Nemo could do for me. If I'm interested in getting help with marketing, I would connect with Nemo. And then the, the rest of my profile, the about section, most people, it's written like a resume. You talk about yourself. Instead, I have a very specific template I teach, and it says, what I do, colon, and it's all caps, what I do. I help, insert the name of your audience, get two to three benefits they want by providing product or service. So for me, it said what I do. I help debt collectors increase sales, um, acquire new clients, and improve their reputation online by providing you know, industry-specific marketing services. Just that one sentence alone will win you business on LinkedIn. Because yeah, now, that's, you go ahead. That, 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 that's super amazing uh, advice because, you know, one of the things that that is a reoccurring theme on this show is is how you need to niche down mm-hmm. and, and find your tribe in, in that niche. It's like it's like that's that's the basic thing that you have to do with with everything nowadays. Uh, and so the, the first question I have is, is when you were you married when when you decided to make the jump from. Yeah. The thing? So what so you're there, you're you're having this meeting about the Mennonites and you're like. Yeah. He had three this kids is, too. He said he had three kids. Yeah, yeah. three boys yeah. under the age of ten. Yeah, uh, and, and, yeah, and that's I had that's five intense. years in credit card debt. I, mm. I I was leaving a six figure day job, and the speech I gave myself was uh, the only reason I was able to do it was I said I can always go get another day job, but I don't want to, and I'm going to give myself these thirty days to try. And I had a whole speech prepared for my next job interview that I had an entrepreneur itch. I had to scratch it. Didn't work out. Please take me back. Right. (laughs) Taking the leap. Taking the leap. So and what did your wife say when when you told her this is the plan? (laughs) (laughs) She's she's the best ever. Um, She encouraged it. She (laughs) her big focus and my big focus is like life is too short. I got really impacted by this early on in life. My dad got cancer when I was seven. Died when I was 17. And that really just tore a hole in my universe. And that changed my worldview to go, life is too short. I I could step out and get run over by a bus, right? And what's going to matter is that I live life the way on my terms. Like there's no point in playing it safe. There just is. Yeah, especially in this day and age when, uh, when, you know, you, you can go from being, uh, you know, getting, having a really good job and being like upper middle class to being homeless in a few weeks. I mean, it's, we're, we're, we're at that point. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, so I mean, that was, that, that, that's intense that you did that, but, uh, you know, you're, you obviously were highly motivated. Uh, and then how long was it before you really started making enough money that you you were okay with not going back to your slave job (laughs) i within the first 90 days i knew i could make it you know i I got i got one contract there's a great story and i'll tell later of how i got a ten thousand dollar contract in 14 seconds on linkedin Mm -hmm. there's another i got i started oh oh, no you gotta tell that story now (laughs) so send it in jerome story so and this is a good lesson too is when so you have the client facing profile, the riches are in the niches, you're all about helping this target audience. Now you use LinkedIn like a search engine, you find the owner of a debt collection agency. Now the next step is when you connect with the person, you have to remember this is just like a real life one on one coffee meeting or interaction. 
you don't immediately meet someone in real life on a zoom call, coffee, whatever, and go, so I'd like to sell you my services. When's a good time to talk about your budgets? Like you don't do that, right? You break the ice, you banter. And so I found this debt collector and one of the real values of LinkedIn is when you take 14 seconds in this case to look at someone's profile, you get just a ton of icebreakers. You get all these conversation topics. Where do they live? Where do they work? Where do they go to college? And so when I looked at this debt collector's profile, as I was looking to think about how to personalize the start, uh, I saw he went to the University of Pittsburgh in the 1980s. And I don't know if you guys are big sports fans. I'm a sports fanatic. So I go immediately into, I grew up in the 80s. I love sports. What do I know about Pitt? Hmm. Well, Dan Marino played football there. Uh, uh, but they had a, a famous basketball player, Jerome Lane, and there was a famous play called Send It in Jerome. So what happened was it was a nationally televised game. Pitt was on the fast break. If you Google send it in Jerome, you'll see it. It's ESPN did a retrospective on it. Anyway, he goes up fast break, dunks the ball, shatters the glass backboard and uh, national TV. And Bill Rafferty, there's a 1988, this happened or 87. And Bill Rafferty, the famous announcer yells out, send it in Jerome, send it in. <laughs> so Within 14 seconds of looking at this guy's profile, knowing he went to Pitt from 1984 to 88, I'm like, oh, perfect. Send it in Jerome. He's got to remember that, even if he's not a sports fan, like he was there when it happened. So my LinkedIn message to him was, hey, great to connect. By the way, do you remember send it in Jerome? And I linked the YouTube video. He accepts it, reads the message, writes me back 30 seconds later. I was at the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so all of a sudden, I can almost hear Bruce Springsteen glory days playing in his head, right? He's back at college at Pitt, you know pound of beers before the game he's in the arena he's like the place went nuts and so now he's hooked now he's curious because who on linkedin starts with your favorite college memory so now he looks at my profile and it's all about debt collection marketing and all my bona fides and accolades and he writes another message back you know a few minutes later and says actually we're looking for marketing services can we have a call tomorrow we have a call the next day and i closed a ten thousand dollar deal with them right on the spot right and wow and I said, when I was auditing my clients at the end of that first year, I, I got to this person. I said, what really helped me win your business? Was it my logo, my website? You know, blah, blah. He goes, no, man, it was sent to Ginger Home. He goes, I just knew you were going to be fun to work with. Everyone around the office was like, oh, the send it in Jerome guy. And he goes, I knew if you personalized your outreach and lead gen that much to me, you could help us do that for our clients. And that's like you know, a really important thing that a lot of people overlook, especially on LinkedIn in the 2020 era here is this like take that extra 30 seconds to personalize the message and not everybody needs automation tools. Like I, I think that we, we've all fell in love with this idea of automation and working from the beach and all that. But the reality is that most of us don't need automation. We can take a little bit of extra time and, um, and do our outreach one by one by one and personalize it. And I mean, this goes for whether you're messaging someone on LinkedIn, whether you're doing a cold email, what, whatever the case, if you're not personalizing, you're doomed. Like you're not going to get through because like I could tell if a message is templated. I say this all the time when the first like three words, practically, I could just tell if it's a templated thing. And if I see like my company name as a merge tag, it's really obvious because I have LLC attached as the uh, on my LinkedIn profile. So if I see them like say my name plus LLC, it's like, oh, this is clearly a merge tag. <laughs> I'll give you an example of how you can have your cake and eat it too with LinkedIn. So I can run a LinkedIn search, uh, CEO, debt collection agency, went to uh, University of Pittsburgh for college. And I can have a list of 10 or 20, and I can use the same approach for each one. Hey, 
you know, you're a pit grad, you remember sitting in Jerome, I can copy paste that. But even that is more personalized. But to your point, you know what you just said, Justin, I got an invite today. My LinkedIn headline right now, the first sentence is done for you, LinkedIn lead generation services. I got an invite today that said, are you looking for done for you LinkedIn service? Oh, I hate that. I hate like, that. Well, according to my headline, I shouldn't be. I would really be struggling if I need to hire you. But yes, yeah. you're so right, man. I know. That's so ridiculous. I mean, this is interesting. Uh, in fact, last episode, we had a woman that has a, a software as a service. She's the uh, marketing director for that company and uh, doing uh, uh, apps for uh, like web apps for mobile. But uh, but the thing that was interesting was that she was talking about the this very thing that uh, she would do research on specific people that she wanted to target and then do a reach out that mentioned something that they wrote or, you know, a bit of stalking. But but I, I think that, you know, you're really hitting the nail on the head as far as like how sales operates nowadays at the best level, which is uh, it, it's not a matter of of just trying to find as many leads as possible. It's being strategic. And uh, especially with LinkedIn, you have the ability to do that. And, and I agree with you. One of the biggest problems I see, especially with LinkedIn is when they, I get a connection request. And then the next thing I get a, a, a like a message that's like, Hey, who does your SEO and search engine marketing? It's like, well, fucker, if you've looked at my <laughs> headline, took two seconds you would know that it was me so <laughs> you know it's so funny and it's can i just tell you that i'm gonna make this really easy for everybody listening and watching there's only one thing you need to do on linkedin to make sales one thing that's it all the money on linkedin is in the mailbox that's it you don't need yeah. to do status updates. You don't need to do articles. You don't need to do LinkedIn video. You don't even need to do LinkedIn live. All you what? need. To do, sorry, I know we're on one. Blasphemy, right sir. Right, ignore that. But all you need to do, and how I make all my sales, and how I get all my clients' sales, is one-on-one -on -one personal conversations and messaging. Doing exactly what you said. Looking at the prospect, finding some icebreakers, and then I have a very specific script I use that is really unlocked the sales. And let me give it to you. It's just four simple parts. Number one is you ask a question. You, you start with, after you break the ice and banter and stuff, you start with a question, you go, hey, Justin, curious. Do And obviously you qualify and make sure it's not in Justin's headline. <laughs> you say, hey, curious, are you, are you curious uh, to use LinkedIn to get more leads? Whatever the benefit is. Curious, are you looking to blank benefit? Then you say, the reason I ask is, and then you offer something of value. I've got a great free training, webinar, ebook, blah, 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 that helps with this. Now you ask permission. You say, if you like, I'd be happy to send over the link. Just shoot me a thumbs up or a yes. And then you take off the pressure. And if not, zero worries, no need to reply. And what that message template does is you're not including a link. You're not assuming anyone wants anything. So they don't get offended because everyone hates getting spammed with links what you do is you qualify them and say are you interested in this topic if you are i've got something free that will demonstrate some expertise and value happy to give it to you just reply yes or thumbs up and then you take the pressure off and if it's not for you no worries and what you do with that approach is you qualify people very quickly and they either say yeah show me what you got on seo tips i'm i'm always looking to learn something and then let your content do its job so i really combine content marketing 
with kind of that old school, you know, qualify, ask questions, ask permission. And you can scale that like crazy on LinkedIn and really build an empire. And that's where you bring in the automation and, you know, on demand and tagging and, and sorting. And it, it really, that's it. Just one-on-one messaging is all you need to do. If, if you want to use this platform for sales. So let's, let's go back to, uh, let's go back to targeting for a minute here. So yeah. I, I know like, let's say somebody wants to pick a specific um, industry or a specific vertical that they want to target. Um, do they need to get sales navigator? I want to talk a little bit about like the paid versus the free versions yeah. of LinkedIn, whether or not you think sales navigator is a tool that people are going to need in terms of um, identifying leads to target with a message with, let's say a LinkedIn message campaign. And, um, or, are you are you recommending that people take advantage of the of the free service account and just follow a specific set of strategies to kind of maximize the impact of that or so speak to that yeah linkedin really is pay to play the more you pay the more information you get on prospects and so if you only use basic linkedin free you get a very very limited uh kind of data set on people you're very limited on what you can find out about people where they are what they do if you get sales navigator, which I recommend, and I don't have stock in LinkedIn, I wish I did. Like I always promote them. And then I'm like, damn it, why didn't I get in on them? You know, but sales navigator, uh, what it'll do is it'll let you create these insanely hyper customized lists. So I can say, I want a debt collector that owns his own agency. He's owned it for at least 10 years. He has seven or more employees. He went to, you know, he lives in this city. Uh, he's been on LinkedIn for this long. He's posted in the last, like you can get, remember LinkedIn went big brother on us. Every keystroke you entered on that platform is saved and sorted and organized. Every status update, every piece of your profile, everything you've uploaded, they reverse engineer and sell as data. So, so that's what you want to use as a marketer is go, how, yeah, I would get a paid profile uh, sales navigator because you're going to get so much more detail, so much more access. And even then with features like who's looking at your profile, it'll give you more information on who those people are. And that's where you create context for the conversation. So somebody looks at my LinkedIn profile, I have a standard message I send back and say, hey, so glad you came across my profile. What helped you find Nemo on LinkedIn? Right, because I'm going to make fun of that stupid movie, and then they at least name <laughs> Nemo. How you know? How did you end up finding Nemo on LinkedIn? Let me know how I can help, and then that starts conversations. But yes, you definitely uh, want to have a paid, you know, sales nav level. I would agree. What about um, connections? So, uh, and this this speaks to again, like the the free versus paid. I know I know that in the free account, especially, you're leveraging degrees of network. Um, but let's just even taking that out of the equation. What's your philosophy on? Do you accept everybody that connects with you? Are you building so if people? Because I get a you know a ton of connection requests all the time, and I'm not always quite sure if I should be building for volume or if I should be building for engagement and like specific contacts. Do you, do you look at that? Because your strategy doesn't really necessarily depend on engagement. So you probably could cast a wide net, but I'm curious how you approach that. Yeah, it's changed quite a bit. So it used to be uh, the more connections, the better, the more visibility you get, the more people you're connected to, the more people see your stuff. But LinkedIn has totally changed the game. What I mean is, I have 20,000 connections. If I post a status update, like 20 people see it, right? They have all these algorithms and um, it's called velocity. Like if so many people like your post within this amount of time and they share it, we'll expand it. And so it's all gamified now. 
So the answer to your question is 100% just connect with people that are prospects. You can ignore everyone else, either prospect or referral source. Here's the the ugly truth about LinkedIn as well. 99% of the business you win on that platform is you reaching out to someone. 1% is inbound. I found you. Like I sorted through 700 million profiles and found Justin. Please give me money. Like, no, like, it's all you knocking on virtual doors. That's yeah. so you want to build your connections in a way where you're only spending time having these conversations with people that either can be a direct buyer or a referral source or something else. And so that's changed over the years. So yeah, I would be very kind of picky about who you connect with because again, visibility on the site is totally different. I know other people will say differently, but it, it's true. Like if you look at your stats, you're not going to get that traditional thing of I hit publish and everyone saw it. And, right. and again, it takes too much effort and work to try to game the system and get visibility and hope people come and find you as opposed to just reach out one-on-one. Hey, curious, are you looking for tips on this? If so, I can drop you into my funnel and move you along. If I've, not, even, uh, I've even seen like engagement pods. So I post and then I'm going to get on WhatsApp and message everybody. And now I want like 10 of they my friends game to comment. Yep. Yeah, they're gaming the system. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the, the, the interesting thing here and, and, and it, I've actually come around, I've, I've changed my view on this because when initially I was of the, uh, the view, like, and this is a few years ago before people started really sending those requests just to sell me crap. Right. But, uh, but, but I, I initially was like, connect with as many people as possible and, uh, and, you know, take every LinkedIn friend request or, or connection request. And then after a while, uh, I, I started to realize like, there is no point on me, you know, taking this, like I look at their profile and it's like, Oh, you're head of sales for the, some, dumb, you know, thing. And so, no, I'm going to start ignoring these people, but it took me a while to get around to that. Uh, but now I'm of the, of that camp that you should be a bit more selective. Uh, and I, I do want to challenge you though, on, on like posting stuff, uh, content, because it also depends on the type of, uh, strategy that you're going right. for. Uh, if you're building like a, a personal brand, and you're like a coach or, you know, you're, you're becoming an expert because you have a training or something, uh, then it's great for, for those particular things because you get the interaction and it also gives you an idea of what people are responding to when you post. Uh, but, uh, but it, you know, it's also a, a changing platform. And I, uh, I, I, I was actually wondering if at some point office would start being integrated yes. with LinkedIn uh, for a variety of reasons, but, uh, but, but yeah, it's, it's for sales. It's, it's quite, it's quite amazing what you can do with it. Yeah. And you brought up a great point, which a lot of people may not remember. Microsoft bought LinkedIn for $26.2 billion a couple, well, gosh, five, six years ago. So yeah, they're going to be integrating their products and they're, you're right. I mean, it doesn't hurt you at all to put out content on LinkedIn. Not at all. It's not going to hurt one bit to publish and go live and do things. My big thing is make sure that there's a method to your madness and that it's connected to some sort of funnel elsewhere because the real work on LinkedIn, you know, and I always say this too, when I, I talk live about vanity metrics is people say, well, what if I have a video with 30,000 views? And I'm like, sorry, I went to my bank last week. They don't take views as a deposit. <laughs> Not on, not on LinkedIn, on YouTube. No, they don't take LinkedIn views or likes as, 
as currency right now. So I want money. <laughs> so, and I get money. End of the day, no one's going to buy a thing from me unless they talk to me one-on-one to, or speaking on my team, right? Like they're not going to, at least high ticket stuff. Yep. They're not yeah. going to buy a higher ticket service unless they talk to you and have that human connection, relational, no like trust. Now, speaking to that, though, you said that everything has to be connected to a funnel. Let's talk. I mean, uh, you you mentioned that the first message that goes out in in your campaign is, hey, check out this free resource on I want to give you some extra uh, information. And you don't provide a link, but you say, like, if you want it, here it is. If not, or if if you want to respond with a thumbs up, if not, whatever, ignore this message. Um, So do you then send them to a, a landing page that you've built out in something like a click funnels or whatever software you're using? And like, what, what does that look like? Or what does the actual funnel side of this um, campaign look like? So now we're getting into the really kind of ninja stuff. So okay. So I'm going to give you some of my LinkedIn ninja techniques because we've tested this obviously for years and with clients. And what we found was if someone said yes, and I just gave them a link to a landing page on Entreport or whatever, Yep. Maybe 20 to 30% would actually take the time to go back into LinkedIn, to go into their messages, to click on the link and to fill out the form and opt in. So what we decided to test a few years ago was if someone says thumbs up or yes, I'm interested in that resource, what's the harm in looking at their contact page? You know, they have contact info, their email's in there. What's the harm in opting them in, saving them the time and saying in a scripted LinkedIn response, Awesome. I went ahead and sent the resource to the email I found associated with your LinkedIn account. If you want me to send it somewhere else, let me know. Otherwise, you should see it in your inbox. Cheers. And what we found was nobody's complaining because they gave us the yes and the permission. And I know the legal eagles are like, well, wait, double <laughs> opt-in, click this, you know, RS, whatever the letters are for GDP. I'm like, I would rather... Um, instead of begging permission, I'd rather ask forgiveness. And I, I, what I'm finding on LinkedIn to answer your question is if someone says yes, it's much easier for me to just grab their email and opt them in. And then now they're in my automated funnel. So they get whatever the lead magnet was and then contacts with additional emails that will say, hey, if you like this, you can do this. You can unsubscribe, whatever. Uh, and then I just write back on LinkedIn and go, awesome, I emailed them. People are like, oh, okay, cool. I'll check my email. Because most people, as you know, aren't on LinkedIn 24-7 with it open and they'll forget or they use the mobile app and it's kind of hard to open a landing page and fill stuff out. And so what we do um, is we just grab their email off their contact and opt them in. But then as far as the funnel works, yeah, deliver whatever the lead magnet is, have you know a follow-up sequence of emails, like keep providing value, offering more training tips, calls to action. And Again, depending on how good you are at that part of your business, you can do really well. So what was the increase yeah. in percentage there? As you said, about 20% of people were opting in when you do the landing page version. Like, and, um, When you do this version, are you, wait, were you saying that you then ask for their email address? In the no, chat, I go grab it. You just grab it. And send I just it. go okay. to their page. It's publicly listed under contact info, yep. which means anyone can see it. And so people are, that's one of the things LinkedIn has tried to crack down on scraping tools because people just scrape and hammer. So I'm trying to get your permission to say, yeah, send it to me. And then I just grab their email. I go to my Entreport landing page, pop it in. It's got an automated campaign that delivers everything. Then I go back to LinkedIn and say, awesome. Just send it to the email I found associated with your LinkedIn account. Hope that's, you know, if you want me to send it somewhere else, let me know. Otherwise it should be in your inbox. You should be good to go. And now, you know, you can find 90% of people's emails that way. 
So there's always 10% that don't have their email or whatever on LinkedIn. Then you just go back to the old school, give them the landing page, make a note to follow up with them if they don't opt in, you know, circle back. But what's your resource that you're giving out typically? I mean, have you experimented with different things? Because I know like sometimes like entire books are just too much to consume. Well, like short PDFs, videos, what are you giving? Here's what I'm finding. So I've done everything. (laughs) Um, The number one red hot thing that everybody likes across all industries for whatever reason is an ebook. I don't know why, but they love them. Uh, That gets yeses out the wazoo. I give away my entire book for free, LinkedIn Riches. Mm -hmm. It's a short book. It's like 100 pages. The audiobook's like three hours. I give you the audiobook, the PDF, or the the EPUB, Kindle version. And um, that's people really like that. Templates, checklists, quick win kind of. I have like a profile template. People love that because they want to, you know, they want to have like, I can do something with this. I didn't, I don't, I also use it for webinars, live trainings, get a decent amount. It really depends on the audience type and the topic because doing this across all these different industries, certain audiences are super responsive to certain things and then otherwise not. So like, here's an example. We, for accountants and bookkeepers, when we went out, we niched one to construction people. So if you imagine in real life, contractors on LinkedIn. Are they going to really be there in front of a laptop digging into content? No, they're on their phone in their truck at a job site and a little notification pops up. So for them, it was much more cut to the chase. Curious, are you looking for help with your bookkeeping? The reason I ask is I specialize in helping contractors. If you're interested or want to have some help, here's my number. You can tap it on your phone. That worked like gangbusters for that client. Other clients, we needed more kind of warm up and courtship. It, It just really depends. So when you decide to go for a certain niche, is there any type of like, how do you decide that you're going to go for a certain line of business? Great question. The the number one piece of advice I give to people on how to pick a niche is two things. One is where have you already had success? So you have case studies, testimonials, proof, even let's say you're an SEO agency and let's say, you know, we killed it on our most recent campaign for these dental clinics. Now you can be, Dental SEO guy on LinkedIn, SEO services for dental clinics, you know, what others say, testimonial campaign results for the dental clinic you did. That's your niche because you have proof and testimonials that you did it for people just like Joe Dentist. The other thing I really like is, especially if you're a personal brand or doing the kind of selling the service yourself, what's kind of your story? What industries have you worked in? People love knowing that you walked in their shoes and you get their world. So like when I marketed to debt collectors, they love me because they're like, oh, you spent two years in the big trade association. I don't have to educate you about the industry. All these other marketing people don't know anything. They don't know the jargon, the terms, the legal stuff. You get it. You've walked in our shoes. So either choose where you've already had success and can prove it with case studies and testimonials or your own journey. I've been in these industries. I spun out to do my own thing, but I grew up in the accounting industry. So I really know your pain points, your journey, what you want. And then people really respond to it that way. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And, uh, and so obviously you've had a lot of success doing this and and what would you say is your primary like bread and butter as far as your business goes right now, as far as like driving revenue and sales. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely done for you clients. So I, my business model went all over the place. So uh, my first few years, right, I had a marketing agency. I didn't really like it. So I closed it. 
I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't want to, I'm a, I'm a creative. I just want to go out and create content and sell. That's the two things I love to do. And my first go around with the marketing agency, I ended up having to manage people and do HR stuff and payrolls and clients were like me. And I was like, I don't like this. So then I pivoted away and did all online courses because I got to teach and create. But what I found was it was really hard to hit certain revenue levels because most people online courses, you know, you're going to go anywhere from a few hundred bucks to a couple thousand, right? And most people, the amount of trust you got to build a lot of payment plan options and chasing. So then I'm like, this is just up and down, up and down. And then also I just listened to the marketplace and I had more and more higher level, older people saying, I don't want to have to figure all this out. Can you just do it for me? And I was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Because you have a lot of business owners, just like you and me, like, I don't want to do my taxes. I have no desire to learn how to do them. Or for example, uh, one of my number one driver for all my new business is my book. So I give it away for free on the front page of my website. I give it away on LinkedIn, but also it sells really well on Amazon because Amazon's a big search engine. Nobody coming to Amazon's ever heard of me, but they have heard of LinkedIn. So I want to get the book sold. So I have to hire someone to do Amazon ads because I'm not good at figuring them out. So that's kind of what drives my businesses is these higher ticket five figures and up kind of done for you. Where now I can scale it, I can, you know, get people in and still have the other parts of the business. But that's what what's going on right now. And what does a package look like? Like, I mean, do you offer just like profile rewrites as one level and then you take it to like a, a full implementation? I'll run the messenger campaign for a month, those kind of things. Or what is what does it look like? Yeah. So I mean, I do a la carte stuff where I'll say for this much, I'll do just your profile. But what I try to tell people honestly is like just having a really good profile is not going to really get you any business. Just being totally honest for everyone listening. What like, it's not going to get you. Cause again, 99% of the business is you having to reach out. Yeah. But you can't it's a piece of the puzzle. It. Piece of the puzzle. Yeah. It's your foundation. Cause everyone's going to look at your profile. So you got to have that polished. Um, so I'll do a la carte stuff. And then probably what we do most of is like three, six or 12 month packages. And the way we structure that is, we need to like, we do a deep dive. We interview the client, we get all their information. What's your story? What's unique? Who's your audience? Blah, blah, blah. And then we have to create content and funnels. Typically they don't have a lot of that. So we create all the automation, the landing pages, the emails, the eBooks design. Sometimes we do done for you webinars, videos. We create all this really good content. That's going to be our bait. Then we hit go on prospecting. And then we do that, you know, for months on end where we're, messaging, we're creating spreadsheets and we're showing you, Hey, 60 people said yes to the ebook today. We're going to follow up with them. They're now in an entreport funnel that leads to a type form survey for you as a business coach to qualify. And that's just, yeah, that's kind of how there's a lot of long-term work involved because you got to test and tweak and adjust. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you don't hit a home run with every script and the audiences are so different. So one guy is a business coach for HVAC companies. And I'm like, how do we crack the code on these guys? You know, and so it took multiple scripts. Now we're killing it, but it took a few months of testing and tweaking and listening, just like any business, right? You test, you test and you listen and you go, people are engaging with that. We got to do more of that. And do you do any like affiliate on the back end or strategic partnerships where, I don't know, you partner with like copywriters or people to write like the email campaigns, create the funnels, or are your, is your team actually constructing that too? As part so of the like I do affiliate in terms of the tools that I have the clients use. 
So I'll be like, Hey, sign up for Entreport. Here's my affiliate link. Cause we want to build everything for them in a tool. Um, and then I just contract people to deliver the services. So I have, you know, different creatives that I contract and project managers and things like that. And it's all virtual. I run it all through Basecamp and zoom and, you know, Google docs and live the good life. (laughs) There's no no overhead. That's the best part about having a digital company is I'm not sitting with a warehouse full of stuff. I have to ship or move, which we're selling our brains, which is really valuable, you know, and you can really sell expertise. Like we live for everyone listening. And this is even in 2012. I believe this, and this is why I left. We live in the single best era in human history to do whatever it is you want to do and monetize it. There is like no excuse for you in today's day and age, not to go out and do your own thing. Because when I was growing up in the eighties, I don't know how old you guys are, but when I was in the eighties pre-internet, if I wanted to have people see my face on a video, I had to go to a TV station, right? If I want people to hear my voice, I had to be on a radio, right? If I want anyone to read what I did, I had to get a publishing deal with a book. Now I can self-publish. You know what I mean? So you have all the tools. The variables now are really your creativity and what you put out as content. And then the other big thing everybody misses, and this is really true on LinkedIn too, is your number one advantage in the marketplace is you. It's your unique story, personality, even your podcast. Like this is the funniest podcast I've ever been on. I'm like, whoa, (laughs) these guys are just joking around. It's like, Seriously, I want to have a beer. I'm like, this well, is well, that's why we have seven listeners, man. All the time. We yeah. Seven, we, have, we have seven listeners because of our, you know, our whole niche. <laughs> but but what here's what I found too with online marketing and LinkedIn and everything else is the more you can be your authentic true self, the more you attract people that want to work with that. For and sure. you repel people that would be nightmare clients. Like I wear Zuba's pants. Do you remember Zuba's? They look like zebra stripes. Oh God. Google Zubas. Z U B A V. <laughs> They're the greatest pants ever from the 1980s sports era. Uh, I do all these goofy things on my webinars and people are always like, well, aren't you worried? How can you sell a five figure program if you're being a goofball and joking and wearing popcorn buckets on your head? And I do all kinds of antics. And what I found was this will shock you at the end of the day, they're still human beings. They still like to laugh. They still like to be entertained. They still like to tell jokes. And they look at me and go, well, if I have to hire a LinkedIn trainer or a LinkedIn person, he's not going to make it boring. He's going to make it fun. And he's going to be fun to work um, Yeah. Back when Andros was in the United States and we used to do these webinars together live, uh, we used to end all of our webinars by drinking some strange, weirdly branded soda. So So we'd have like dirt soda, like butter soda. There was all these different flavors. (laughs) That used to be our thing. That was our sign off. (laughs) Well, and remember, people need a narrative to attach to you. How else will they remember marketing geeks? The name is one thing, but the soda thing, like, oh yeah, every webinar, they're going to have their soda, right? And you're the guy that wears the bucket on his head or whatever it is. And so it's just being your authentic self is, is really valuable. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, the, the, the main thing that I, I just want to reiterate something that you touched upon is, is that uh, not only is this the best day and age to do what you want to do, uh, it, it is, uh, it, you can do it globally. I mean, it's, you're not... It's like if you're in the United States right now and you want to get out of the United States, (laughs) you can. You can do it. It's like easy. You could like you can get on your computer and you can go to another country and you can get a work visa. It's it. I mean, not every country. There's it's it's going to be hard, but uh, you know, and and 
I have a five-year-old son and I, I, the message that I try to impart to him and the, the biggest lesson I'm trying to teach him is that you never need to rely on anyone to make money. Yeah. You just, the conversation is I need money. Where can I get the money? What can I do to, cause there's tables of money. I just have to go sit at the table and negotiate how much of that money I'm going to get. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's so true. There's, there's, there's enough work out there. Uh, perfect example. Uh, my lovely wife, Iris, who's also the producer of our, uh, show here. She, uh, she, she has a friend here in the Netherlands who, uh, was trying to figure out what her next thing was. And she started decorating crazy things like gluing things together, spray painting, you know, candelabras, strange colors and, you know, we, we ended up buying like a, like a Buffalo head that she painted gold and stuck oh, wow. a lamp in it. I, I, and it's like crazy stuff, but she just like put that on Instagram. And now all of a sudden that's her business. Right. Uh, so it, it, we, we can do this. I mean, you can run an agency, you can do all of this stuff. Uh, and, and it's not that hard. Uh, it's just takes work and, and never selling yourself short on your, what, what your abilities really are. Cause most people I think do, they sell themselves short on their abilities. Yep. Yeah. And that honestly, uh, you were mentioning before we started, like what's something you geek out on and what really changed the trajectory of my whole business. And what I geek out on now is mindset stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, as much as I have all these success stories, like my revenue was very much like this for many years and about two and a half years ago, uh, I actually had the worst month in the history of my business. Things were terrible. A loved one died, just feeling yeah. totally low. And my business coach was like, why don't you look at this mindset book again uh, called Psycho Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. And it's, he's the guy that pioneered the area of self-image and self-talk. And I was, was like, that's just a bunch of hocus pocus, blah, 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 touchy feely. I don't need Tony Robbins screaming at me. right? <laughs> like, but I, I kid you not. Um, once I finally read that book and worked on my mindset, uh, the next month I tripled my revenue. I had my best year ever last year. I doubled the revenue from the year before. And this year I'm close to doubling again. And it's a hundred percent mindset. And it's, yeah. it, it's really, you said it so well, which was we live in this area. Anyone can do it, but you have to have the belief, the ability to deal with setback, failure, rejection, all the things that you're going to run into. And it's the mindset is really almost more important than anything. Yeah, absolutely. Cause not, not everyone's going to like you. Uh, <laughs> believe it or not, people, there are people who don't like me, what? which I never, never quite what understood. What are you talking about? And that's a great Just book, by the way, psycho cybernetics. Um, awesome book. I read it probably five years ago. I need to, to reread it though, because it, it's pretty deep. It's a pretty, uh, it's heavy. Book. I had yeah. to read it twice and I had to get the updated and revised version. Yeah. I couldn't understand it, but <laughs> once it clicked, you know, now it, I have all these quotes, I print them out, you know, and I put them everywhere. I have little coasters. Yeah. One of my favorite ones, the facts are the facts, how you choose to feel about them is up to you. The facts <laughs> are the facts, right? That deal fell through. That's a fact. How do you want to feel about it? Well, quick, an that? quick anecdote on, yeah. on that book is that the um what, what's his name max uh, maxwell maltz yeah maxwell maltz so he got started he was like a plastic surgeon and he became in interested because he noticed that some people that got plastic surgery 
would make like dramatic transformations, but then other people would, would look amazing, but then like be the exact same person. And it was a, he's like, oh, there's gotta be some sort of mental component here because we took care of the exterior problem. And yet there, here we are the same person. And so that's what kind of triggered the idea for that book. And then he went deep and Tony Robbins is involved. Dan Kennedy, the copywriter was a, yeah. like, involved in that book. Yeah. So yeah. Maltz pioneered that because he's like, I fixed your face. You look great. No, I still look in the mirror and I'm ugly. I'm ugly. And that's yeah. self-image. She's like, why do you see that? Like they physically thought they looked that way. And um, it's thought is supreme, man. It's just, it's so interesting. I could go off on that all day, but yeah, man. No, I, it, 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 I, I have a whole theory around it, the, the fact that you can literally change the fabric of time space. You could change reality simply by thinking about something. And uh, it's one of the it's it's one of the superpowers that human beings have yeah. because we can reach into the void and we can pull out stuff that has never existed before, art or ideas, and that alone can change the nature of the future. And uh, I, I I I'm I I think that and this is this is one of the interesting moments in in history that we're at uh, is that reality is spongy and you can get data sets to prove any fact or figure that you want right uh, nowadays and so it's all comes down to your own personal perspective on what what reality is there's no there's no one size fits all but all of our little realities are bumping up against each other now <laughs> and uh it's making a lot of stuff come to light i do have to tell you john that I, I do take partial responsibility for the chaos in the world and we've talked about this on the show before because i had this like crazy life-threatening accident in 2014 where like a very very small percent chance of survival but i survived so my theory is that this is like the one reality where i survived in and that's why everything's kind of twisted and gone like insane. But in the rest of the other millions of realities, everything is totally normal. So I just wanted to share that. Yeah. <laughs> in the, in the parallel world. Right now. <laughs> that stuff is so fascinating to me. And um, I talked about my dad earlier and uh, that he passed away. And right before he died, he had a near-death experience and kind of that veil where he, the white light and the tunnel and the people in heaven. And um I've read a lot of books on that. Um, one's called Imagine Heaven, and it's the studies of people from all races, all over the world, all ages, kind of culminating in what's the typical near-death experience like. And it is, there is a common experience, and it is a different place. And it's, I'm a Jesus guy, so I believe in him and believe in that version. But I mean, it's it's fascinating because it all ties back to, to the power of our mindset and our thoughts. And we don't really know what we're capable of. Uh, and people realize that I think when they have those experiences too, I'm glad you're still here, man. Thank yeah. you. Appreciate that. My reality. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I wouldn't be doing uh, the marketing geeks podcast. Right. If, uh, that's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. If it weren't for my, my buddy, uh, Justin, well, we're, we, we, we've got to get to the, uh, we're kind of creeping up on the end of the show right now uh so uh where can we find you do you offer you said you offer your book where can we get the book i definitely want to read it uh where where are you yeah so best place to find all my best tips uh including the book for free linkedinriches.com so the word linkedin and then riches r-i-c-h-e-s linkedinriches.com front and center you can get the book for free the audiobook the pdf or the epub there's also lots of templates free trainings on there obviously i'm on linkedin john nemo you can find nemo on linkedin so 
thank God that movie finally helped people remember my name. I used to be like Mimo, Nemo. I'm like, like Captain Nemo, 20,000 lady. Like, that's too old. Finding Nemo like the fish. Yes, John Nemo. So, yeah, LinkedIn, John Nemo, or LinkedInRiches.com. Okay, very cool. Uh, well, we I, I definitely will uh, will check that out. And uh, uh, so, in uh, you know, every week we'd like to find out what people are geeky about because there's so much geek stuff nowadays. Uh, I'd love to find out what you're geeky about, John. Uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna own myself. I'm the biggest Pearl Jam geek there is. <laughs> nice. I don't think I ever Pearl Jam at all, but. I have been geeking out on all their live albums. They recorded and released all these bootleg shows. And so every day when I'm working, I listen to a different concert. Uh, so I'm the nineties grunge was my era, man. I loved it. Pearl Jam Nirvana. So just been geeking out on that music and then going down the YouTube rabbit holes of old show. You're not going down the QAnon uh, rabbit. No, holes. <laughs> no, no. This and, interview uh, would end right now. Yeah, yeah. And look what I—I I also have my Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Oh, that's here. so cool! I love so, it. Child of the '80s. I love Atari, uh, Nintendo. Uh, my kids don't get it, you know. But it's like <laughs> you I, played this. What? Fun fact. <laughs> so I got an Atari Twenty Six Hundred for Christmas, nineteen eighty-two. My dad set it up. And I tried to teach him how to play combat, right? So look at this thing. It's got the joystick and one button. He's like, this new video technology, how the hell are you control? <laughs> like, Come on, dad. Now it's so advanced. It's so advanced. Xbox thing and paddles. And I'm like, you can't even do this. He would have been that's, lost. That's so funny. I, I actually, uh, there's a there's a part of me that wants to get, because you can get these joysticks that have like all the games in them. And yeah, hook your TV and and yeah. so I, I was thinking like, oh, do I want to go there and like get my kid to play like Super Mario Brothers with me or Donkey Kong? Yes, but then I think you know it's like he'd probably just like be like, Dad, this is this is dumb. <laughs> I I uh, I my geek thing is uh, I just saw Tenant and uh, I got I that. it. You know, okay. First of all, I have I have mad mad respect for uh, the director, right? Because uh, yeah, Chris Nolan. Yeah, right? he he. Yeah. In my mind, there's like very very few directors that have made a bad film, and uh, and and so I, I feel that that Chris Nolan is still yet to make a bad film, but some of his mm. films are better. And I feel with this particular one, I'm not, I can't, I don't want to give anything away, but I feel like there was a gimmick he came up with that was like, Ooh, it would be really cool to like do this gimmick kind of like inception, but it was like a different gimmick. Ooh, uh, okay. And, and the gimmick is cool. But after, after that, I feel like uh, there's a lot of like complicated stuff he does to make the gimmick interesting and, and and i feel that he overcomplicated it and in the same way that uh, there's a moment in in uh in inception where you're kind of like wow this is getting heady I, i'm having a hard time keeping track of all these levels uh there's this there's a similar kind of thing but it's a little worse with this uh but as as far as like he doesn't use very much cgi there's some amazing set pieces that don't 
have their like reel and you're like, wow, they really blew that shit up. That's incredible. Uh, <laughs> so I, I would definitely wear the mask and go to IMAX and, and see Tenant the way it's supposed to be seen. Uh, so mad respect for Christopher Nolan. Uh, just next time, please make your movies a little less complicated. <laughs> I, right. I, I, well, don't just make them complicated for the sake of making them complicated, which which might be the case here. Yeah. So. I, I uh, yeah. So I, I I don't I don't I I, I don't want to have to like have a graph and like you know chart things because uh, that's why I don't bother with QAnon because I I don't want to have to like have a giant like. That, that, that's kind of how I feel about the show Dark. Although I really enjoy, it. I love that show on Netflix, Dark. But like, I do feel like you have to like chart it out and and do yeah. this. And that. That's a really good show, by the way. But it's uh, it's very very complicated. And if you like, if you were like me and you watched, uh, I watched the first two seasons. Um, when they came out and then I had to wait a year. And then by the time the next season came oh. out, it was like, I don't even know what the hell just happened. I, I don't remember that. anything. Yeah. <laughs> Justin, what are you geeky about right now? Uh, I guess I'm still riding high on Bill and Ted face the music, man. Uh, Bill yeah. and Ted three. I gotta see that. Uh, I watched that. I watched that a week or so ago. Um, I, I didn't watch anything over the weekend, so uh, that I actually quite enjoyed it. I mean, it, it's uh, it's stupid, but when it comes to sequels that are 30 years too late, it's the best <laughs> by far of all the 30 years too late sequels. So I mean, I'm comparing that to like Dumb and Dumber two, and I don't know. I guess Anchorman two was probably 10 years too late. Uh, Bad Santa 2 and <laughs> Zoolander 2. Funny story. We bought the trilogy last night. My kids watched the first one. Never seen it. My two youngest are running around going, 69, dude. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so I say to my wife, I'm like, do we want to be the parents that introduce that to the seven <laughs> or should we kind of explain? And so she goes, just don't explain the gory details of it, but explain th- why they don't want to say that number. <laughs> Thanks, Bill just say it's yeah. a it's, it's a thing that that uh, grown people do when they really like each other and it was <laughs> it's like well what, why 69 because it was invented in the year 1969 whatever you do do not google that no. John Nemo, everybody thank you thank you so much for being on the show this was wonderful and uh i think we successfully also simultaneously live streamed so uh yeah, uh, I think we're going to do that. In fact, the show is going to be uh, we're going to we're going to kind of recalibrate the show a little bit. We had some issues with our website that's now fixed, and uh, we are going to do a little bit more live streaming. So if you join the Marketing Geeks uh, podcast page on uh, LinkedIn, you should get a notification whenever we do a live show. We generally record on Wednesdays. So if, if you see the little thing, you can uh, join the conversation. And I, I actually saw people leaving messages uh, while no we were way. live. Yeah, they, people left some messages and engaged in the content. It's kind of bananas, dude. Love it. I love it. This is the wave of the future, man. Yeah, totally. So we, The future welcome, is now. Welcome to the 21st century, everybody. So, uh... Uh, with that, uh, anything you've got for me, buddy? Is that, uh, I feel complete. Okay. I do too. Good. (laughs) So, uh, we got some more guests coming up and, uh, more awesome stuff. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. We are the marketing geeks. We are out. Stay classy. Marketing geeks. Come on, bring your friends. We'll learn marketing from distant lands. Oh,
Marketing. Thanks. Marketing.